You're listening to the Mind Your Business Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with best-selling author, John Asaroff, all about your subconscious and the brain-based science of success. So, stay tuned. Hi, I'm James Wedmore, and with 13 years online, I've built my business to over $9 million in sales per year. And this is the first non-business business podcast that shows you how to apply the principles of spirituality, energy, and mindset to create true and lasting success all from the inside out. This is the Mind Your Business Podcast. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? James Wedmore here. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Mind Your Business Podcast. How the heck you doing? Are you pumped for today? Do you remember back in like 2006 when that movie that Oprah kept jumping up about came out called The Secret? I remember I got a whole story about how I stumbled upon that movie and how that was like, that was the doorway into all this. Like, you know, people want to say, oh, that's, you know, it's so ridiculous and so like watered down and everything. And, you know, you just close your eyes and imagine you're driving a Ferrari and there you go, there's your Ferrari. So, so nonsense. But for so many people on the planet and myself included, that was like a doorway. I was, all this stuff we talk about, before that movie came out, I knew none of it. And I'll never forget, because it was actually my favorite part of the film. There was this dude talking about vision boards. And he talked about, I think he was with his, uh, one of his children. They like moved into a house. So there was like a box that they hadn't, you know, unpacked or something. And he pulls out this box and there were his old vision boards. And he starts showing his son or daughter vision boards. And then sure enough, on the vision board was a picture of the house that they were living in, that he had found and cut out from magazine years prior. He's so long ago that he'd forgotten about it. And he's like tearing up, like even just remembering that. Oh my gosh. Like that's insane, right? And I have so many examples like that in my life. Not the exact, you know, picture, but like, yeah, I've done vision boards and all that stuff. And I was like, all right, I'm in, let's do this, right? And that's today's guest. Do you remember that story? That's my guest today. That's John Asaroff. I'm so excited. This was such an incredible interview because you have the secret, which you know, talks about the spiritual and energetic conversation, law of attraction and manifesting. And we all's about that over here. But what John's going to do today is reinforce all that you've learned from that from a brain-based scientific approach, understanding how the brain works at a scientific, you know, neuroscience level so that we can kind of feed our logical mind and have this all make sense and not rely just on like hope and a prayer (laughs) that we're going to manifest our dream home, but understanding the brain-based approach. And, you know, we're going to talk about basically some really effective brain hacks that you can start doing to decrease suffering, you know, uncomfortable emotions, train your brain for success, for happiness, for mindfulness. And these are practical things you can actually start doing on the show. Things that John calls inner sizes, which I love. They're just like, here, just do these three steps right now. And then how to train your brain for more effective habits. He actually drops a huge bomb about the science and the research behind how long it actually takes to create an automatic habit. That's going to blow your mind. We're going to talk about the subconscious. We're going to talk about the difference between operating from the Frankenstein brain and the Einstein brain and how you can start to tap into more of that whole brain, Einstein, creative, intuitive brain today. So for the few people that do not know my special guest today, John Asaroff, He's one of the leading mindset and behavioral experts in the world. And he's appeared numerous times on Larry King Live, Anderson Cooper, and The Ellen DeGeneres Show. His latest best-selling book, Inner Size, The New Science to Unlock Your Brain's Hidden Power, helps individuals like you recognize and release the mental and emotional blocks that prevent them from achieving their fullest potential. John has built five multi-million dollar companies, 
including taking one public on NASDAQ. He's written two New York Times bestselling books that have been translated to over 35 languages. And he's been featured in 10 movies, including, as I mentioned, The Secret. Today is the founder and CEO of Neurogym. He's dedicated to using the most advanced technologies and evidence-based brain training methods to help individuals strengthen their mindset and emotional skills so they can achieve their goals faster and easier than ever before. Guys, are you ready? Without further ado, let's roll that tape with John Asaroff. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with today's very special guest, the one and only John Asaroff. John, welcome to the show. James, great to be here with you, my friend. Yeah, well, what an honor. Gosh, you're, you're just, you're a legend. So I really appreciate you taking the time to be here. I already know that our listeners are just going to be eating up everything you have to say and everything you have to share. So I really appreciate it. And for anyone that wouldn't know who you are, <laughs> the one or two people that might not know who you are, who's listening here today, could you just take a moment and share a little bit about your background, what you do, who do you help and how do you help them? Sure. Just like everybody else, I'm an, I'm an entrepreneur. And when I was uh, 19, I decided that since I hated school and I left school grade 11 and didn't do well in school and thought I was either going to die or go to jail because that's the path I was on back wow. then. Uh, I decided to figure out what I can do with the skills that I had was with just feeling natural speaking to people. That was the only skill other than that, you know, some athletic ability, just like I didn't have a problem speaking to anybody. So when I was 19, I got into real estate and I had a spectacular mentor who really helped me understand the difference between setting goals and achieving goals and upgrading my self-image and my skills so that I could actually achieve those goals. And in the first few years of selling real estate, I made you know, $30,000, dollars $50,000. And then I ended up upgrading my knowledge and skills. And I bought a little real estate company that wasn't as well known back in 1986 as it is today. That was Remax of Indiana. And uh, I bought the franchising rights for Remax when I was 26 and proceeded to open up 85 offices over the next wow. 10 years and had 1,200 salespeople. And we got to $4.5 billion a year in sales. And I kept running that for another 10 years. And then um, I did a few other business ventures. One was Bamboo.com. So if you've ever seen a virtual tour of a home or a hotel or inside a car, that was my second big company. And then I started writing books after I retired back in uh, 2000. I retired uh, after taking our company public. And I started to really focus on like what happened you know, during my career. How did I go from you know, a kid who didn't feel like he was smart enough, good enough, worthy enough, a kid who was getting into trouble with the law, a kid that was voted most likely to fail in life, to somebody who you know, did decent in business that uh, went through you know, a couple divorces to finally find the wife of my dreams and the life of my dreams. Somebody who's struggled with alcohol abuse and drug abuse and weight issues where you know, I was 38 pounds heavier than I am today. And I've been lean now for the you know, last 12 years. To somebody who's had borderline you know, dia uh, diabetes and hypertensiveness and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I've been a student of... What doesn't work? <laughs> student. And that's just by doing a lot right. of the wrong damn things. Yeah. And then a student of what does work. And I've been fascinated. Strangely enough, I hated school, but I love neuroscience and biology and the neuropsychology. I found a passion for it many years ago, especially when I was building my real estate company. And I would give my agents all the books, the cassette tapes back then, I would bring in the best speakers and coaches to our live events and everybody would get motivated and they'd be on fire for a day or two or three. And then they'd peter off and not do the things that they needed to do. I was like, why is that happening? Why is it that you are so motivated and you know what to do, but you're just not doing it? And uh, so I have some of those answers now. And I mean, that's really one of the reasons I wrote my newest book, Inner Size, The New Science to Unlock Your Brain's Hidden Power. And so I've just been a student, you know, I'm a student of life that likes to figure out how can I apply what I learn versus how do I just gather more knowledge mm. and information? Don't you feel like that's, because yeah, this is, that's really been coming up 
for me lately. Like, I feel like that's what's missing, especially in this information age. People aren't really struggling anymore saying there's just not enough information out there. There's not enough podcasts out there. I see that gap of going from what I know to applying to what I know. Do you speak about that in the book? And if so, like what's causing that? What's causing so many people to know what they should do, but still not do it? It's a great section to, for us to cover. And if we just you know step back to understand this fact, right? If you think about this, if somebody said to you, hey, James, or whoever you are that's listening right now, would you like a trillion-dollar computer that can help you figure out almost anything and achieve almost anything? And you say, well, yeah, I'd love a trillion-dollar computer. You know, I say, well, great. But the thing that you have to know is if I give you this computer, you're going to have to learn how to use it. Then what would you do? Then you'd have this computer. And if you failed to use it, you'd have this trillion-dollar computer, you know, in your home or office that was just basically doing nothing or very, very little. Well, let's think about this for just a moment. We have our um, brain, this, you know, unbelievable organism, not organ, organism that is the most complex biocomputer or any computer for that matter on this blue planet called Earth. And my question for everybody who's listening is, what do you know about it? What do you know about using your brain better? What do you know about what causes you to be motivated? And then whether it's seconds, hours, or days later, you've lost your motivation. What do you know about how your self-image or self-esteem or self-worth affects your behavior? What do you know about the part of the brain that gathers information, like the stuff you're gathering right now, information in our podcast together, or in a book or a course you bought, or an event that you went to, or what you learned at school that you just don't use after the time that you become aware of it. What do you know about how your limiting beliefs drive your perspectives, like lens by which you actually see the world and you in it and what's possible or not possible, beliefs that you weren't born with, that you somehow got conditioned to believe, and how that affects what you take action on or not? What do you know about the set points in your brain that work just like a thermostat you know, in your room that might be set at, let's say, 70 degrees? And if there's too much heat, the air conditioner goes on. If there's too much cold air, the heat goes on. And these automatic circuits that turn on or off every second of every day that drive your perspectives, your behaviors, and your emotions. And the reason I start off with that right now is because most people say I don't know much about it. Like not at the at the level that you can in order for you to achieve your goals faster and easier than ever before. Not fast and easy, faster and easier. And so when we have these neurological and biological obstacles in our way and we don't know, A, which they are, and that we don't know what, how do I get rid of them? then we are victims of ignorance. And that just means I don't know. And so I have studied for many, many years, 20 years with some of the top neuroscientists and neuropsychologists in the world, like what is really happening in my brain? And can I change? And if the answer is yes, how specifically can I change? How can I gain more control? And how can I let go of whatever obstacle may be holding me back? And so, yes, that's what's in the book, Inner Size. And I've also created a bunch of inner sizes to help people actually strengthen their mental and emotional skills so that they have the ability to achieve their goals faster. Well, it's just so funny because as you're asking these questions, how much do you know about this and this and this? You know, I don't want to go on a <laughs> sidebar tangent, but it is. It's so you could ask this to virtually everybody. Yeah. And these are things that you start to go, why didn't we learn this growing up? If we have this trillion dollar supercomputer, why don't we learn these things growing up? Why, you know, why is it that like as we get older and, and we have years of heartache and struggle of not accomplishing our goals that we finally go, okay, I'll go back and finally learn again. But I'm glad the information's out there and that we can finally learn it. I just wish we learned it at a younger age and maybe one day we all will. But And there's an answer to that, James, and that is 
Uh, it's just been in the last 20 years where we can actually see deep into the um, cortical structures of a human brain that's alive deep enough so we can see electrical activity, blood flow activity, circuits turning on and circuits turning off. So it, it, we thought we were hardwired. Like up until 20 years ago, we thought that we were mm-hmm. born hardwired. And that's where that old saying, well, you're just like your father or you're just like your mother or you behave just like your grandfather did. And so that was because we used to think we were hardwired, that we were born a certain way with certain propensities, and that's the way our lives unfolded. But we now know a lot more about how the brain develops, whether it's the imprinting years from birth to about three, four years old, the modeling years from four to about seven or eight, or the experiential years from seven or eight till 12, 13, 14, and beyond, and what that actually does in the brain. So, you know, when people have these beliefs, you know, a simple one that everybody's aware of is, you know, what do you think? Money grows on trees. And almost everybody's going to fill in the blank trees. And the question is, where the hell did that even come from? Like, what a stupid idea that money grows on trees. Or do you think I'm as rich as the Rockefellers, mm. you know, or, or things like money is the root of all evil, right? Well, yeah. that was actually never even said in the Bible. In the Bible, it says the love of money is the root of all evil. But the fact that people have these patterns in their brain that they can easily recite, we now know that the patterns that are reinforced when we're younger go from a part of the brain that is gathering the information and through repetition and experience and associations, we form these memories and implicit patterns. They're part of our subconscious pattern that is part of how the brain works to conserve energy. And so whether the pattern is right or wrong, if you think about a software programmer, you know, if the software programmer is good, you end up with great code. If the software programmer is bad, you end up with shitty code. And so the code determines the output. And so if we just started to look at, okay, what activates my motivational centers? What deactivates my motivational centers, which are directly tied to part of the brain called the motor cortex that makes me either take action or not take action. It's kind of like, you know, if you use a car as an analogy, there's, you know, turn on the car, right? Everybody knows how to do that. You use the, you know, the brake to stop and you use the gas to go. And if you're driving in a stick shift and you go, first gear gets you going, you know, second gear gets you going a little bit faster, third gear a little bit faster, fourth gear a little bit faster. And in the car analogy, if you pop, if you, you know, hit your clutch and uh, take your foot off the gas and go from one gear to the next to the next, even though you're going faster in the higher gears, your brain's actually or, or your car is working less hard. Mm. Right. And so what if you could do that with your own brain? And the wow. answer is you can, but most people just don't know how to do it. So we didn't know. We didn't know how it worked. We didn't know that there's different, almost like a different band in your brain. Right. So there's one part of your brain is a motivational part of your brain or uh, another part of your brain is like a fire chief you know, t- trying to stop you. And so now we know a lot more. And so now it's time for us adults to retrain our brain and for us to hopefully teach our children how to just make yeah. up their own minds. Yeah. And it sounds like to sum up 20 years and all the research you've done, the simple conclusion is reaching this point of realizing that our brains are far more powerful than we first thought. Yeah, it's really pretty mind-boggling when you understand how complex it is and how efficient it is for survival, for safety, for energy conservation, for seeking out pleasure and things that makes us feel good, you know, whether it's food or sex or whatever the case is. To understand the, the mechanics of it is really interesting But more than just understand the mechanics of it is to be more in control of it versus Mm. (laughs) it controlling us. In some cases, destructively disempowering us, you know, negatively. When we, I think there's just about everybody I speak to around the world, if you ask them, do you you feel like you have, you know, a lot of potential? Everybody says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you feel like you're like reaching your potential? No, just not yet. There's, it just seems like there's this gap. 
And so I've been figuring out for myself and all of my you know, students and clients and is how do we bridge that gap? Mm. How do we bridge that gap quickly based on the latest and greatest neuroscience and neuropsychology research in layman's terms so I could just freaking do it? Yeah. Well, I know there's so many things that you're t- touching on and I love to go uh, to go deep. And so there's a few things I'd love to go. I just don't know which one to start with. But I know in the book, you mentioned the difference between the Frankenstein brain and the Einstein brain. Is that a good place to start? And could we, could we talk about that? It's a great place to start. So what we know about the brain is, is let's, let's step back for just a moment and say, okay, if we go back two and a half million years, when the first humans, Homo erectus, started walking the earth... Prior to all of that time, you know, our brain was an evolving organism that got to that point. And what we know is that this brain of ours is wired for millions of years of evolution, if not billions of years of evolution, for survival above all else first, right? So survival is no differently than, you know, a deer, you know, out in the forest is on high, high, high alert all the time for predators, Right? That could mm-hmm. kill them, eat them, because that's just the law of the land. The next part of the brain that started to develop was all around safety, but not just physical safety, emotional safety, spiritual safety, if you want to call that for some people, financial safety. And so our brain detects any real or imagined danger around things that could harm us. So priority number one is survival. Priority number two is safety. Priority number three, do all of that with minimal energy, Hmm. okay, just in case you have to run away from a predator. Mm -hmm. And then number four on that list is uh, gaining of pleasure and things that make you feel good. And so our old brain, whether it's the triune brain, the lizard brain, the reptilian brain, whatever you want to call it, the first part of our brain where all incoming information comes to is that part of the brain for survival and safety first. And so whether it's incoming information from your ears or your eyes or anything that you're touching with your eyes closed, your brain's assessing, can this kill me or can this cause me any harm? And it's doing this in billions of seconds. Now, why am I sharing that? Well, you asked me about the Einstein brain, the Frankenstein brain. When the Frankenstein brain is active, which is 24-7, okay, around survival and safety, Frankenstein in the back recesses of your mind, the lower cortical functions, Frankenstein going, what if? What if this can hurt me? What if this can kill me? What if, what if, negative, 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 negative. And Frankenstein goes into his memory bank to see, are there any associations around this thing that I'm thinking, the thing that I'm seeing, the thing that I'm being told that could cause me to die or could cause any financial, emotional, mental, physical pain? And if anything in our memory bank checks a yes, there's something that is resembling danger, then Frankenstein puts on the fight, flight, or freeze response in a billionth of a second. Breaks go on motivation. Breaks go on on behavior. Red alerts go on in the form of cortisol and epinephrine and norepinephrine in our our bloodstream. And we either fight, flee, or freeze. So that is a neurological and biological process that automatically gets triggered when one of four things are in play, which we'll come back to in just a moment. Now, that happens to be tied to something called the right prefrontal cortex, just for those of you who really like the science behind it. But right next to this part of our brain is a newer part of our brain that was developed over the last 50,000 years. It's our neocortex, that left prefrontal cortex, that is the Einstein part of the brain. And so Einstein uses positive imagination, whereas Frankenstein uses negative imagination. Einstein has deductive reasoning, which means Einstein would say, is this really dangerous or not? Can I get hurt or not? What are the possibilities? What are the options for me? So Einstein is thinking positive possibilities, options, systems, processes, paths, while Frankenstein saying, you know, either... Stand still and freeze or get the hell out of here. 
So we have these two parts to our brain. I call it, you know, the Frankenstein-Einstein part of the brain or the gas and the brakes part of our brain. Now, you and I had to learn how, you know, to press the gas while we, you know, we didn't touch the brake and, and vice versa. When we first learned how to drive, right? Mm-hmm. It was something we had to learn how to do because if we had the pedal on the gas and the pedal on the brakes, we'd be making a lot of noise. We'd be sitting maybe in our Ferrari, but it wouldn't be going anywhere. And so one of the things that we now know is that when Frankenstein is activated, we also activate a something called the sympathetic nervous system, right? And the sympathetic nervous system is the part of our brain that causes us to breathe shallowly. It causes a blood flow to go away, move away from the thinking, imagination, deductive reasoning part of the brain and to the automatic reactive part of the brain. That's a circuit. That's a circuit loop that just triggers, bam, and you're in a reactive state. You don't even know what's happening in a lot of cases. But we know that if we did, for example, inner size number one is a simple, easy inner size that all of my clients do once an hour. I try to get them to do at least that. It's called take six, calm the circuits. Hmm. And I'll share with you inner size number two that every listener should be doing every single day. And you'll have more mental and emotional control. That I promise. So take six, calm the circuits is the simple act of being deliberate with which nervous system are you active or activating. So in a stress state where you're doubtful, fearful, stressed, unaware, uncertain, whatever the case might be, if you took six deep breath, very, very, very slowly in through your nose, and you had the airflow coming into your diaphragm first, as opposed to your lungs first, your diaphragm, which is right on where your belly button is. And so your belly would come out, then you'd fill up your lungs. It'll take you about five, six, seven seconds to do that. Hold it for two or three seconds, and then let it go out even slower through your mouth as if you're blowing out through a straw. Then pay attention to the airflow coming out of your mouth. When you do this just six times, we can actually show the sympathetic nervous system, basically the light switch of that just turns off. Mm. And then the parasympathetic nervous system, which is connected from the brace of your brain to your gut, the vagus nerve, activates and your calm and respond nervous system just got activated. We can see blood flow going back to the Einstein brain. We can see the ability to make smart, thoughtful decisions that allow you to actually take action as opposed to being in in a state of inaction. So these little circuits, parasympathetic, sympathetic, we all have the same circuit. It's the same light switch. It's like when I go into your home to turn on the light, it's the exact same, you know, switch Mm -hmm. type of switch. The electricity might be 110 or 220, depending on where you are in the world. But how it works is the same. All brains work the same. So the first part is if I can get myself into a calm, relaxed state where I can respond, Einstein is active. And if I'm stressed out, if I'm unfocused, if I'm doing anything but responding in a calm state, then I'm going to be in a reactive state. So that's number one. The number two inner size is called AYA, A-I-A. The AYA stands for Awareness, Intention, Action. So let me share with you awareness of what? In a calm, relaxed state, if I do this every hour, this is all about training your brain to be in an optimal state of performance, high performance. So if I'm all of a sudden in a calm, relaxed state without stress, and I focus on what have I been thinking the last 30 minutes? What have I been feeling the last 30 minutes? What have I been doing the last 30 minutes? Have I been thinking, feeling, and doing things that are positive, constructive? Are these things that are going to move me towards my goals and dreams? Or am I unfocused? Am I stressed? Am I doing things that are destructive to me achieving my goals and dreams? If we did just an awareness inner size every hour, 
And we did it without judgment, blame, shame, guilt, or justification. One more time. Hmm. No judgment, no blame, no shame, no guilt, no justification. Just pure awareness. And in that state of awareness, we actually activated the greatest gift that we have. Right? The greatest gift yeah. we have is awareness, and yep. awareness is what gives us choice, and choice mm. is what gives us freedom. So in that state of pure awareness, no judgment, we say, what's my intention for the next 30 minutes or hour? My intention is to be positive. My intention is to be focused. My intention is to finish this project. My intention is to do this website copy. My intention is to create a sales funnel. My intention is fill in the blank. That's my intention. And then what if we just asked ourselves, what's one small action step I can take for the next 15 minutes to do that. No distractions, no stories, no excuses, no reasons. I just teach myself awareness, intention, and I follow through with 15 minutes of focused behavior. Now what I've done is I've gone from a reactive, stressful, maybe unproductive state to an aware, attention-based state and I follow up with behaviors that will move me towards the goal and dream. Now, the reason we break it down to like a 15-minute chunk is a lot of people, especially us entrepreneurs, you know, we look at these big goals and dreams that we have and, you know, 500 steps to get there. <laughs> and our brain in a state of overwhelm, if we're not trained, trips Frankenstein up. Mm. And Frankenstein says, oh, my God, there's just too many pieces here. But if we break it down to little modules of 15-minute or 30-minute behavioral chunks, let me just get this piece done. We reduce the neural tension, and now we become an action taker. Now we gain more confidence. Now we gain more certainty. Now we gain more self-respect. Now we're starting to raise our level of self-esteem and self-worth because we're not hindering our growth we're actually deliberately and consciously evolving ourselves and a process that is required to achieve every goal. And so yeah. there's some of the mechanics yeah. of what's going on with just inner size one and two. Well, I love this, John. And, you know, we preach and guests that come on preach the importance of mindfulness. But I feel like you just took something big and intangible like mindfulness and said, here is a actionable practice that can put it into play. And I don't even think people realize how much of, of an impact that that can have if they started doing that today, which means you can start doing it right now in this episode and we'll probably wrap up in about 30 minutes, which means you could do it again right at the end. And that's the best time to get started. Yeah. I mean, listen, when we think about how did I develop my habits that I have right now, right? There isn't a person listening that was born with Good habits, bad habits, <laughs> constructive, destructive, empowering ones, positive ones, negative. It doesn't exist. A habit in the brain, uh, whether it's a thought habit, an emotional habit, or a behavioral habit, which obviously causes us to take action or not. Mm -hmm. Remember rule number three of the brain? Conservation of energy. Mm. So the reason our brain creates habit loops around those things is to conserve energy. Yeah. So once we do something one time, five times, ten times, a hundred times, uh, your brain says, listen, since you've heard this so many times, or since you've done this so many times, or since your mother, father, sister, brother, friend, partner said this so many times, it's like, F it. I'm just going <laughs> to automate Okay, this pattern as a way to conserve energy to save you from having to think about it. Yeah. So we know, and I want everybody to pay close attention to what I'm about to say because there's a big, big, big problem in the personal development industry right now. And this is why, you know, you and I were talking a little bit earlier about the difference between gathering information, actually putting information into play. Mm -hmm. All of the scientific research shows that it takes, pay attention now, between 66 days and 365 days. Not seven, not one, not 10, not 21, not 34 or 52. 66 days to 365 days to replace an old pattern that is dominant and part of what we call as the default mode network. So if you have a bad habit or a good habit, it doesn't make a difference. If you want to replace a bad habit and you're not prepared 
to do what is necessary for 66 days. Save your time, your money, your energy, your commitments. If you're not prepared to do that, all of my students, I get a hundred day commitment from them. Mm. And if you can give me a hundred days, yes, there will be resistance. Yes, there will be times where you feel like quitting, but I'll show you how to get over all those things. If you're not prepared to change, okay, from the subconscious out, then you're just going to keep gathering more information. You're going to keep, you know, going to seminars and books and podcasts and, and do all that stuff. And you're going to get that dopamine release of feeling good because your brain is looking for pleasure. Okay. But it will seek pleasure, but it will not make the new pattern a subconscious pattern, which is driving 95% of your perspectives and your behaviors until you've invested 66 days to 365 days. Now, are there some patterns that take less time? Yes. Are there some patterns that take more time? Yes. But if you understand the science of neuroplasticity, your brain's ability to create new connections, and when you know how to fire neurons together, the neurons that fire together wire together, and the more you repeat that pattern, the more solid this new road, right? New road, new road takes and the more you fire off a new road or a new road pattern, the more it replaces an old pattern. You don't get rid of bad habits. You just deactivate them in the brain. Mm. So is it fair to assume then that why some habits would take longer to override would oh, be yeah. because you've been doing some for so long? Absolutely. I'll share a story with you that true story mm -hmm. in January of 2019. Okay. I'm, I'll be 59 this year, 2020, end of 2020. So in January of 2019, I said, and I do this all the time, I said, I'm going to give myself a challenge of brushing my teeth with the opposite hand for 100 days. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. I've been brushing my teeth now for, let's say, let's just say it's 50 years. Yeah. So 50 years times 365 <laughs> days times twice a day, I've been brushing my teeth a lot. Well, this is, years. guys, this is assuming he brushes his teeth every day. That's right. <laughs> That's why I say 50 years, three, uh, I'm giving you the premise. So I started to, you know, take my toothbrush in my left hand. I had a, a little sticky note on my mirror. Brush your teeth with your left hand. And for almost 100 days, every day, I picked it up with my right hand, had to transfer it over to my left hand. And then even while I was brushing my teeth with my left hand with my electronic toothbrush, on many occasions, I was hearing the dialogue in my head says, okay, that's enough. Now put it back in your right hand. Wow. So I've been doing this now for way over a year. And every single day, my brain still wants to go to brushing it with my right hand. For almost a year, my right hand almost felt like it was, you know, it was, it was like another appendage of mine. I didn't know what to do with it because I used to brush my teeth in that moment. So when you are wired for years and years and years, whether it's your beliefs about yourself, those are neural patterns, whether it's your emotionals, your emotional reaction, those are subconscious mm -hmm. patterns, whether it's your self-image or self-esteem, those are neural patterns that for many of us, we've had for 10 years, 20 years, yeah. 30 yeah. years. And so when we understand the science of neuroplasticity, then we can say, okay, if this is how I was wired, is it possible for me to refire my brain so that I rewire it using the basics of neuroplasticity? And the answer is absolutely. And so, again, that's why I wrote InnerSize. That's why I actually created the InnerSizes to be able to give people the actual tool, the understanding first, and then here's the tool. And what I did specifically with the book is I actually am giving people nine brain training audios to do this mm. with them. Yeah. So, well, anyways, the, 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 brushing, the brushing your teeth challenge, the, going lefty, is I think such a maybe even more profound, powerful metaphor than you realize because still, did you say a hundred days or a year later? You said a year later, you still... I have been doing it for over a year. Over a year. January of 2019. Yeah. And, and you've still found the resistance a bit. I still find the resistance today. 
And did you ever once beat yourself up and say, I'm not good enough to do it left-handed? You know, I'm, I could never do this, right? You, you just know, keep going. Um, on probably a hundred occasions, you know, I've wanted to go to my right hand. I've even grabbed it with my right hand, almost like something else was grabbing my toothbrush and then I take it back. No, because in a state of awareness right. of yep. the behavior, Einstein can override that and go, hmm, look at this. Look how powerful this pattern is. Now I'm choosing to override it. Put the thing back in your left hand and keep brushing it. If anybody wants a fun little exercise, here's, a, here's an exercise for you that will show you exactly what I mean. Take your toilet paper roll. <laughs> Flip it to the other side of how you normally have it. So some people have to have the toilet paper coming from the top down. The right way. <laughs> have to have it from the bottom coming up. Whichever you are, okay, even me talking about it, notice how it's making you feel uncomfortable just by me asking you to do that. And notice how you might be rationalizing that, yeah, that's just stupid. So I don't want to do that. But rationalizing is your brain's way of telling yourself rational lies. But if you want to go past that, I want you to flip it for seven days and see how many times while you're on the toilet, you want to actually flip it back. See if you can just make seven days. Forget about a hundred days. Yeah. See if you can just make seven days and watch what happens on day eight. You are going to want to flip that right back to what's comfortable versus testing yourself even more. That's how powerful your neuroplasticity patterns are that are your habits. See, but when you put it in that context with these examples, create a little bit of separation, it does give people awareness because I think this is what happens. Someone says, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to start a business. I want to do a completely different set of habits, both you know, mental, emotional, and behavioral. And they do it for a little bit of time. And they're experiencing the same you know, what, what are you, cognitive dissonance or, you know, resistance or need to go back to the old that they start to create this, what you said, don't do judgment, guilt, and shame. I must not be cut out for this. This must not be in the stars for me. I must, you know, just have to go back to the way things were. And that's what and you that's see. the identity protecting itself, right? So, yeah. so earlier, if you recall, James, I talked about there's only four things that will hold people back from achieving their goals and dreams. And one of them is really not that hard. And so the question I always like to start, you know, start with when I talk about this section is this. For every goal that you want to achieve, okay? I don't care if it's you want to um, make $50,000 a year or $100,000 a year or a million. It doesn't make a difference. For every goal you want to achieve, whether it's for your health, your wealth, relationships, career, business, finances, fun experiences, spiritual growth, you pick the goal. I don't care what it is. Would you agree that all of the how to achieve it already exists? The step, like the knowledge? The, the, yeah. Yeah. So we've had 108 billion humans who've walked on planet Earth. Yeah. The collective intelligence of all of those people, plus the internet, plus <laughs> all the books, courses, coaches, consultants, YouTube videos, and this little search engine called Google. I could type in, how do I mm -hmm. fill in the blank? And a plethora of how-to shows up. And if it didn't show up, could I find an expert that I could hire him or her to tell me exactly what to do? And the yes. answer is yes. So in 2020, 2021 timeframe, 22 timeframe, the how-to is not your problem. Because mm -hmm. that you can get within the next hour, you can buy the blueprint for how-to, right? Yes. Great. So the question then becomes, God, it must be something else. Now, when we don't know how to, when we don't have the knowledge or the skills, actually, we are just activated. We've just activated Frankenstein brain. And Frankenstein's brain says at a subconscious level or at a conscious level, because you don't have the knowledge and skills, it's an unsafe proposition for you. So retreat back into safety in your comfort zone and what you know. Why? Well, because that's what the organism does. And the organism just says retreat back into safety because we're all about safety. Number two, part of the hierarchy of the brain. But then there's three other things. So let's say, that let's just say you want to leave your job and start an online business. or so you've started an online business and you want to double your income in the next 12 months. So the decision to want to double your income in the next 12 months 
that's an Einstein imagination mm-hmm. decision, right? I want to double my income. I want to triple my income. And you go, wow, yeah, that's great. I'm so excited. I could do this and I could do this and I could do this. I should read this book and take this course and do all this stuff. But what if in your subconscious mind, Einstein's operating from a conscious mind perspective, right? Deductive reason, imagination, and choice, deliberate choice is a conscious exercise. But in the subconscious mind, what if your self-image, self-esteem, or self-worth doesn't match with the Einstein goal or vision? So then you have one foot on the gas with Einstein saying, yes, go forward. But you have another part of your brain, Frankenstein, that's going, oh, no, 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 no. You don't deserve that. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. You're not worthy of that. Don't you know who you are? So now your identity comes into play. And if your identity doesn't match the goal you want to achieve, you won't do what is necessary for longer than an hour or two or three just to test the waters out. You'll use your willpower and persistence muscle, but those are conscious, not subconscious. Mm -hmm. So that's number one, self-image and self-esteem. So for every goal you want to achieve, if you don't recalibrate your hidden self-image to match the goal, you will sabotage your efforts either on the way there or once you get there. Hence, 87% of lottery winners lose the money within three years and say it's the worst experience of their life. So is it fair to say that what one's self-image is today is the culmination of past thought habits that have become automatic? Thought habits, emotional habits, behaviors, results... Uh, what other people have told you, social conditioning of what you should earn, could earn, might earn. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Your, your entirety of the environment that you were raised in, plus the meaning that you gave those experiences is going to create the paradigm around your self-worth. And then just to get a quick distinction, how do you distinguish between what self-image is versus self-esteem? Sure. So self-images is how you see yourself in the world. And self-esteem is your confidence level of your role in the world. Got it. Right. So we have, you know, so if you think about, you know, the word mask, right? So the word mask is persona in Latin, Mm. right? So, so there's an image of how I see myself. There's an image of how you see me. There's an image of how I'd like you to see me. (laughs) And when we can integrate who you see, who I think I am, who you think I am, how I behave is just integrated. I just show up the same way all the time. That's an integrated self-image, right? Where there isn't different personas all over the place. And people have, you know, these masks on to protect themselves. There's a saying that says you will never outperform your hidden self-image. You may outperform it for a day, a week, a month, a year, but you will sabotage it over time. If you take a look at athletes, musicians, highly successful CEOs who have the imposter syndrome for many of them where they sabotage their success, it's when there's a disconnect between who I see myself consciously, but how I am wired subconsciously. And the key is to integrate those two. Does that make sense so Abs- far? Absolutely. And that was, can you say that quote one more time? Because that was yeah. so powerful. You'll never outperform yourself. You'll never outperform your hidden self image. Mm. That's one to chew on yeah. for a bit. <laughs> oh, you can chew on that one for a while, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And this is the, this is again the stuff I go into in, in, in inner size, but also teach me how to do that. And there's, we can talk about that too. So then the second part is, mm-hmm. well, what else could be holding me back? And the answer is, let's say my goal, again, is to double or triple my income. Since these are entrepreneurs we're talking to or people who want to be entrepreneurs. Let's say I have, uh, let's talk about beliefs for just a moment, Mm -hmm. right? So beliefs, the world of beliefs, constructive, destructive, powerful, not powerful, positive, negative, empowering, disempowering. There's a whole variety of beliefs. But we know that some beliefs are what we call our limiting beliefs. So what would be a limiting belief? So let's say I have a goal, whatever the goal is, and I have a a belief that I'm too young. Mm. 
or I believe that it takes five years to do that, or I have a belief that I'm too old, or I have a belief I'm too Asian, or too white, or too black, or uh, that I live in a small town and it's not possible in this small town. Now, the question I always like to back up to is, were you born with any beliefs? And the answer is no, not one, which means that somehow, some way, your brain developed these patterns called beliefs that got reinforced. And once your brain plasticity switch turned off from mostly on around 12 to 14 years old, these beliefs have been locked, loaded, and reinforced for the last 10, 20, 30, 40 years, however old you are. And the beliefs that are reinforced are the lens by which we see the world. That is the filter by which we see the world. And our brain deletes or distorts anything that doesn't match our beliefs. Yeah. The brain deletes or distorts any incoming information that doesn't match the belief structure in our brain. And so if we have a limited belief or a limiting belief, our brain deletes and distorts any information that doesn't match that belief. But more than that, it shows us everything that resonates and lines up with that belief to reinforce it some more. I think what I want to add here that is so important that people get when you say that the brain is deleting and distorting is we're not aware that that's happening. No, this is happening billions of seconds automatically yeah. beneath your level of awareness. So it's not like something comes in and you see it go get deleted. <laughs> it's just not there. You just don't see it's it. Not there. That's right. Yeah. And again, and, and, and part of why I teach the inner size is in the, in the inner size number two, if you take some time to practice your mm -hmm. ability to actually be aware of these neural processes, then yes, you can start to catch these negative disempowering thoughts. You can become more aware of this disempowering automatic emotion that shows up as a feeling, which we're going to get into in just a moment. So in the absence of awareness, in the absence of some of these skills, you're a victim of your conditioning. Mm -hmm. Right? And what I want to do is wake people up to get re-empowered again to take control and to deliberately and consciously evolve yourself versus reinforcing your old self, which means that you're just going to keep doing more of the same and reinforcing more of the same when you can actually double, triple, quintuple your income, build your business, build the lifestyle, the confidence and the certainty that you want. But you can't do that following the same path you've been following. Yeah. We have to interrupt those patterns and recreate a new pattern. So, so far we've got self-image or self-esteem. We've got limiting beliefs. We've got knowledge and skills. And this one is the piece de resistance, right? Uh -huh. So let's talk a little about emotions, right? So we go back to where we were a little bit earlier, James, and that is uh, brain's number one priority, survival. Number two, avoidance of pain, discomfort, etc. Conserve energy and gain pleasure. So if all incoming thoughts are being processed, again, survival and avoidance of pain or discomfort, when we think about, let's double our income and build this awesome online business or brick and mortar business, whatever the case might be, Frankenstein goes, okay, I love the idea, or Einstein goes, I love this idea. And Einstein says, here's how you can do it. And it'll feel so great. And just imagine what a lifestyle you'll have and how much you can give to charities and what a difference you can be and feel, et cetera, et cetera. And Einstein gets all excited and releases dopamine through the nucleus accumbens and insulin in the brain. And you feel like you're on fire and you share it with your friends and you high five and that releases more oxytocin, all the feel good neurochemicals. And right next to that, Frankenstein's going, hold on a second here. What if you fail? What if you try your best like you did the last time and you disappoint yourself again? What if you're embarrassed because of your failure? What if you're embarrassed because you make a mistake? What if you're ridiculed? What if you're judged? So all of this again is happening beneath your level of awareness. All of this processing of what if is a protective mechanism to avoid pain, discomfort. And so when we don't understand that all emotions are, is this. Imagine you're driving your car and you're having a nice, beautiful, sunny day. 
top off or top on, doesn't matter. You're driving your favorite car in the world, and all of a sudden you see a light pop up on your dash. And you go, oh, hold on a second. You reach over to your car seat, and you take a hammer, and you hit the light. Like, would you ever consider doing that in a million years? No. Right? Maybe if you were drunk or high or whatever, and you just were tired of it. But if it happened one time, what does that light represent? The light represents, hey, maybe you're down, you know, your oil is low. Maybe your right front tire is low on air pressure. Maybe your trunk is low. Maybe you need gas. The light is a signal that's coming from the engine. All emotions are triggered in your subconscious mind as a signal, and it releases a neurochemical that's either a stress-related neurochemical or a relax-and-respond happy neurochemical. Remember? Parasympathetic, sympathetic, stress hormones, etc. So fear of any kind, there's 50 different types of fear that automatically activate that Frankenstein brain, puts on the brake, lose motivation. We really don't have the intention of following through because there's real or imagined danger. And so these four things are working, like I said, in billions of seconds, right? You've got this neural processing ability of 400 billion bits of information per second. And if you don't learn how to be aware of your thoughts, emotions, feelings, sensations, behavior. Feelings are nothing more than our awareness of the neurochemicals that have been released in our brain as the mm. feelings like the end result, right? And so what most people do is when they have this uncomfortable feeling, they just want to move away from it, yep. right? Because I just don't like it. Well, like why? Have you not been taught that there's nothing wrong with the feeling. It's just a signal that's just popped up. And, and there's another inner size called Flip the Switch Actor Studio that I teach people as well, not just in the book, but, you know, imagine if right now I said, James, what the f*** are you doing on this interview? Just just so damn stupid, man. Like, <laughs> wasn't that just so funny that I just did that? <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> What did I just do? I just went from, you know, angry to happy to sad and crying. Three different states that I deliberately just activated neurologically, biologically, followed through with the physical behavior to just show people that just like a Hollywood actor or actress can flip their mm -hmm. state, switch the state in a nanosecond, so can you. So if you're in a state of fear, oh my God, you can instantly be aware of it and shift over to a state of courage. Mm, so good. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So so just again, sorry for the for the uh, acting here, but <laughs> I just I just want to make it real for people to understand. You have so much more control than you know, but you haven't practiced and rehearsed, right? Some of the basic fundamental principles of how your trillion dollar biocomputer works. Yeah. And when you develop those habits, oh, boom. Yeah. So good. This has been amazing. It's awesome. not just eye opening, it's brain opening, right? Good. I mean, it's, it's so good. I want to throw, it's not a curveball, but it's like, it's a detour down tangent lane for a moment because this is, sure. I'm so curious about this. Sure. As you've learned and shared so much about the science behind the brain, what role has, spirituality or religion or whatever your beliefs are played in this journey for yourself? Sure. I love that. So I was born in Tel Aviv, Israel. My parents are Jewish. I'm Jewish. And I love all religions, but I'm not religious. I am spiritual. Mm -hmm. What does that mean to me? So if I go backwards in time, all right, and, and I think about Let's say you believe in the Big Bang. Let's say if you believe in the Big Bang, then what happened from that Big Bang forward and how everything was created and the intelligence in the universe that came together to create me, to create you, to create every plant, every mineral, every animal in the universe, that intelligence that created me is no different in my view and the, the view that I have is let's say we went and got some ocean water 
uh, we took the ocean water inland 5,000 miles, we'd still have ocean water in the bucket, mm-hmm. right? So whatever intelligence created me is me, mm. is you, is every human being, every animal, plant, etc. And the intelligence that's allowing, you know, planet Earth to spin at 25,000 miles an hour on an axis as we're orbiting around the sun in elliptical orbits, as the Milky Way galaxy is traveling through space and time at one and a half million miles per hour, whatever that is, that's me. That's you. So I base all of my life and how I, I behave based on my highest values, which is number one, God, which is that intelligence that is all of us. So how do I remember that's me, that's you every moment of every day? So I have all of my daily rituals around my five highest values. One, God. Two, my health, spiritual, emotional, mental, and physical health. I call that SEMP, S-E-M-P. Three is my family and true friends. Four is contribution to the world. Five fun and experiences. Mm-hmm. So the best way that I can pay respect and love to this spiritual intelligence within me and within you is to live my highest values mm-hmm. in that order. Love that. So when I participate with you, I am talking with God and God is talking with me and everybody who's listening is God. Now, I know a lot of people go, what do you mean I'm God? Well, think about it, right? If you think about the intelligence that is giving you life right now, right? That's breathing you, that's digesting your food, that's creating 10 million new cells as 10 million cells die off and is doing what it's doing to not have your DNA unravel in this very second. Like, what's that genius and wisdom within you? Like, is that possible? That's the spiritual intelligence within you? I'm curious though, has, this is so beautiful and I, and I love that and I hold the, the same perspective. Did 20 years of the science, the neuroscience, did that confirm that or yes. it did? Well, that plus I've experimented with psychedelics mm-hmm. for probably the last 10, 15 years from a neuroscience and neuropsychology perspective in medical environments where I've been able to uh, just experience some mind-boggling journeys, whether it was with uh, DMT or ayahuasca or ketamine or MDMA, to experience just this vast consciousness where you just know you are one with that which created you and that it's so much bigger than this physical body. And so I'm fascinated with consciousness. I'm fascinated with life. Like, what is it that makes this so spectacular. Like, it's like, oh my God, spectacular. It's like, take your breath away. Everything, you know, Albert Einstein said, you can live your life as as if nothing is a miracle, or you can live your life as if everything is a miracle. And if you do any research into quantum physics or into cosmology to understand the, the, the scope of what is really happening, you can't, I, let me rephrase it. I can't help but be in awe mm. awe of of like wow oh my god it's like wow it's beautiful i love it so inner size it's out now how can we get a copy and what else can we expect uh, when we dive into the book love it so in the book I'll, I'll share with people the difference between setting goals and achieving goals how to retrain your brain to really have more control and self-confidence and certainty and how to get rid of limiting beliefs and how to stop allowing disempowering fears to hold you hostage and keep you standing on the edge of your potential when you have so much potential to fulfill. Mm. I also give people nine brain training audios where I'll actually be in their ear. They're free to actually do the inner sizes with them. So there's eight mini ones for self-confidence, imagination, to see themselves achieving their goals. I teach them a concept, a neuropsychology concept on mental contrasting. So if they're stuck, if they have traumas, if they want to achieve goals that they don't know how to achieve yet, I'll walk them through a mental contrasting technique to basically unlock them and get themselves unstuck from whatever might be holding back to that next level of the success that they want. So I didn't, do, I didn't just want a book you know, for 12 bucks. 
I want to give people the tools to actually make a difference in their lives. And I've got hundreds of thousands of people who are intersizing all over the world now. And the changes and the results are just mind-boggling. And so that's what they can get with Intersize. Amazing. And uh, we can just go to anywhere that books are sold right now. Do you recommend just going to Amazon? Uh, Amazon's great. Absolutely. If people want to read more about uh, the book, go to IgniteMyBrain.com. IgniteMyBrain.com is a whole page of what the neuroscientists are saying about the book, what clients who have bought the book have already said about it. So they want information on the book, go there. If you want to get the book, um, then just go to Amazon and pick up the book, use it, get great results, share them with me so I can smile. Mm, I love that. I love that. We'll link both of those directly to the book and to your website in the show notes so people can get there. Once you get the book, actually, you're on the Instagrams. You're on Instagram. So uh, do us a favor and take an Instagram story of you reading the book, whether you get like a Kindle version or the real tangible old school version, tag both John and myself in it. So we know that you're reading it. That would be pretty awesome for both of us. And here's what I'll do, James, for anybody who does that and tags you and tags me, I'll share it as well. There we go. Awesome. So we'll, we'll lift as we climb and help each other. Yes. Amazing. So, John, first of all, thank you so much for... This has been such a, an illuminating, eye-opening, brain-opening episode. And I love it. I love these topics. And it's such an honor to have, have you on and share all of your thank knowledge. You, Any final thoughts or parting words before we call this complete? Uh, usually when I'm asked that question, I, I go with the first, the first thought that comes... You know, percolate out to me is love it. So I want to just number one help people understand that whatever you know results you've gotten right now, whatever your conditioning is, your self-image, for the most part, it's not your fault. Mm. Right? You just we were all conditioned, you know, parents, teachers, schools, stuff. And the beauty of where we're at right now is you can change. Mm. It's like Jim Rohn says, you're not a tree. You know, you can change. And and so give yourself a break. And just don't blame yourself. Don't shame yourself. Don't feel guilty. Don't be embarrassed. We all have made mistakes. We all could say we should have done this, could have done this. And the key is just be in awareness. Choose what you want. Make the changes necessary from the inside out. So win the inner game and the outer game of what you need to do. And you'll be able to achieve some just phenomenal things in your life, not just financially. Financially is just one of the... You know, one of the measuring sticks of how well you're playing the game of commerce. And you can achieve just amazing things in your life that'll really make your life the masterpiece you envision it to be. Mm, so good. John, thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast. And thank you to our listeners for making it all the way to the end. Appreciate you hanging in there with us. So, so good. So next step, grab a copy of John's book, Inner Size, out now. You can get it on Amazon. Take a picture on your stories. Tag us both so we know you're reading it and John will uh, will share your story. So thank you guys so much and we'll see you here next time on the Mind Your Business Podcast. Take care. Did you know 8 out of 10 businesses fail within their very first 18 months? I believe being an entrepreneur means unlearning everything that we've been taught our entire lives about what it really means to be successful, which is why I've created a brand new audio program entitled Activate. I want to show you how to think, act, and behave like the successful entrepreneur that you were meant to be so you can step into the vision that you have for your life and your business. And the best part is this program is yours absolutely free. To register right now, simply visit www.jameswedmore.com forward slash activate and we can get started right now.